Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, providing primary and advanced specialty care throughout all of central Pennsylvania and beyond. A list of providers in the area can be found at upmc.com slash findadoc. According to the Parkinson's Foundation, approximately 60,000 Americans are diagnosed with Parkinson's disease each year, and about 1 million people live with Parkinson's disease within the United States. On The Spark today, we're joined by Terry Walters, a Cumberland County author living with Parkinson's disease, to discuss his story and career. After being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease about 12 years ago, he nearly lost his ability to write, but found another way to be creative through his new podcast, Alex and Terry's Boomer Music Cast. Terry, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. So Terry, talk to me a little bit about your childhood and how you got a passion for writing and creating content. Well, I didn't really get the passion until I was near retirement age, and I, in fact, retired early to be able to get into it more in detail. Mm-hmm. I wrote a book about baseball, which is one of my passions, and uh, wrote and published four books uh, before I uh, had to uh, acknowledge that uh, I couldn't write any longer. Yeah, several years ago, you were on this show uh, when it was called Smart Talk at the time. Uh, But you discussed two books that you wrote within your career called Saddle Up, Charlie, and The Lost Haven of Sharon Taylor. Tell me about those and how you personally connect to those stories. Well, actually, I was beginning to write a second baseball book when uh, someone asked me if I had ever heard of Charlie Wysocki. And I said I hadn't because I, I hadn't, and uh, uh, I checked him out, and I found out that he was, at one point during his career, he was the leading rusher in the whole country, and he injured himself, and the next year he didn't do as well, and he kind of fell out of the spotlight. But he did sign a contract with the uh, Dallas Cowboys, but uh, bipolar disease came in and found him uh, right in the middle of the of the rookie camp. And uh, he went home and and tried to commit suicide and did a lousy job of it, fortunately, and probably did something like 21 hospital stays for for mental health. And uh, I thought this guy had a great story to to tell, and nobody wrote a book about it. So he must have been crazy. I mean, wild and crazy. and it turns out he's one of the nicest people I've ever kno- I've ever known. Wow. And uh, we we really hit it off, and we we wrote "Saddle Up Charlie." And "Saddle Up Charlie" is what his coach called uh, called for Charlie when they put him into the the game at the University of Maryland. So uh, we got together, and uh, we and uh, we had a good time, and we wrote the book together. You mentioned that you had to give up writing uh, many years ago. Why? Well, uh, Parkinson's, I have Parkinson's disease, as you mentioned, and one of the things that it, that it visits upon you is called micrographia, and your handwriting gets littler and littler and littler as you, as you write something, and to the point where it all runs together. 
So I couldn't handwrite, and my fine motor skills were also compromised, and I can't type. Uh, I can't type three words without having a a, a typo, hmm. and uh, I, I tried using the uh, tape the, the recorder in in my phone, and it, and it just wasn't something I could handle because I. I I go back to change something in the in the uh, manuscript, and it's very difficult that way. So, I did give it up. I, um, although I'm still working with some of the people that are in the book. Uh, for example, Charlie Waisaki is now uh, working on a documentary with a, a film crew out of uh, Maryland, and uh, that book still has some life uh, because of that. How did that make you feel to have to give up something that you loved to do, like writing, and something that you used as a primary tool for communication? I can imagine that being frustrating. Well, it was, uh, particularly since you use this, the skills that took away my writing ability are skills you use every day. Yeah. So, yeah, it was frustrating, but then I did come up with something uh, to substitute. What other kinds of symptoms have you experienced during uh, due to Parkinson's disease? Well, one of the early signs was a loss of smell, and COVID had that as one of its uh, symptoms. But it, people talk about bringing about the uh, sense of smell coming back to them. It never it never came back to me for eleven or twelve years. Wow. And and then, of course, you have the tremors. Uh, Parkinson's only works on one half of your body, and in my case, it was the left side, uh, left arm, left hand, left fingers, uh, sometimes the left left foot. Uh, and uh, let's see what else. Uh, it, it slowed you down. Uh, my, my wife would get a little frustrated that I was doing things slowly, and I would tell her I'm I'm going slow as fast as I can, you know, I'm trying to make her laugh a little bit <laughs> about it. Um, had minor freezing, which is one of the uh, uh, complications of, of life with Parkinson's. And you're in the middle of the five stages of Parkinson's disease. Right. And I'm dragging my feet and uh, slowing it down as much as I can. Yeah. What does that mean for those who don't know? Well... There are five stages. The first stage is there's just minor things such as the uh, uh, loss of smell, which may not seem minor to you, but it, but it is compared to what's about to come. Uh, stage two uh, brings uh, a more pronounced stiffness and and uh, sh tremors and and little things going on with your body that you don't know if if it's Parkinson's or if it's some something else causing it. And then finally, the third stage is is like uh, preparing you to go into the into the, the the part of Parkinson's. It's not very pretty to talk about. That's that's uh, mobility is probably the one of the one of the most important ones. To be able to get around and, and drive your car and yeah. and do things like that. But you know, play tennis or pickleball or whatever your 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 sport is. Uh, so. Uh, I wanted to maintain, uh, how can I say it? I, want, I wanted to spend as much time in the third stage as I can. And there's no, there's no going back. Uh, it's a neurodegenerative disease, and it's, it's uh, progressive. It gets worse with time. And uh, 
it's irreversible. What, what you've lost, you've lost, and it's incurable. So uh, that, that's what we were dealing with. And, and, and I found that boxing, uh, not actually punching somebody in the face, but boxing with a heavy bag is, is supposed to slow down the, your, your advancement through the uh, stages. So I've been doing that for four years with uh, the uh, West Shore uh, Academy of Martial Arts uh, leading leading us in, in that. Uh, it's like a really a physical therapy three yeah. times a week. And in a previous conversation, you shared with me that you're concentrating on making sure your legs don't freeze up and become stiff from having Parkinson's disease. Uh, Another way that you're combating the disease is by uh, participating in pickleball. That's right. right. And pickleball doesn't require a whole lot of of, uh, energy, but it does does require you to be able to stand up for for half an hour, an hour at a time. And... uh, my theory is that as long as you're able to do something like pickleball, you're, you're able to fight off moving out of the stage three pro, uh, process. And you said you were worried that the YMCA would not allow you to play because of the possibility of falling, correct? Yeah, falling falling is the big uh, <clears throat> the thing that, that people are afraid of because of when, when you get older, and I am older, uh, your bone density is is less, and uh, falls quite often cause a broken wrist if you don't do it right, uh, or maybe even worse, like a broken hip. And uh, if if they sense that uh, they're responsible for your broken hip or something like that, uh, they might not allow you on the court anymore. And you took a fall a few years ago, correct? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm I've been good for the last couple of years. Tell me about that fall. Uh, th- this was a fall during the uh, uh, the, the boxing program is called uh, Rock Steady Boxing, and uh, I was kicking a ball and I stepped on the ball, mm. and it went on my back and 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 I wasn't hurt, but uh, I, I could have been. So how did your diagnosis with Parkinson's disease affect your family and loved ones? You were the first in your family that uh, has been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Yeah. Well, so far, it hasn't really uh, had an effect on the family. My wife, of course, has to face the the possibility of being a caregiver. But uh, so far, I'm able to to, uh, uh, live a normal life as as far as uh, that's concerned. Although you've been living with Parkinson's disease for almost 12 years and you've suffered from many symptoms daily, as you uh, just mentioned, you remain positive. How do you do that? Uh, I don't know. I just feel like, I, like I'm on the right track to slow it down as long as I can. And, and uh, everybody at, at an advanced age seems, seems to be afflicted with something, so I figure that that's that's my uh my not my choice that's my uh burden to bear hmm. terry talk to me a little bit about that different creative avenue uh that you took by starting a podcast well i think music is also helpful 
in a lot of diseases, they say uh, musical therapy. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Melody Gardot. She was seriously yes. injured in an accident, and she used music therapy to get back to uh, performing. So I think music is important to everybody. And uh, I, I just like the music from my generation. I like the music from the, the 70s in particular, and the 80s and the 90s uh, were also very good. And But today, the music is geared toward a different generation, and it's and they like it, uh, but... Uh, it's it's not for me. Hmm. So uh, a radio station would have classic rock on, but you'd always hear the same songs all the time. So we, I wanted to get into uh, the uh, library of some of these uh, good uh, performers, such as, uh, uh, oh, my brain's locking this one in, uh, Tom Petty, for example, who, who died within the last year or so. Uh, he he made a lot of songs I had, I had never heard of, and I so I said, what else is in the in the uh, the past that people my age would like? So I started to dig, dig into it and found a lot of nice music, and and uh, I wanted to find a way to get get it to people so they would understand that that there's there's more than just stuff out there that you don't like. There's more there's more songs. Heading toward obscurity that you that you can listen to while they're still available, so uh, that's that's what got me started. And, and Alex and I began to trade uh, uh, playlists of songs that I thought I he he wanted to write, tell me songs that he thought I wouldn't like or I would like, hmm. and uh, we shared uh, playlists and decided that we wanted to put together something for. Uh, other boomers and, and people who uh, had what we call boomer sensibilities. And you mentioned sharing playlist. I know that you share it uh, through CDs, right? Right. We did it through CDs at the time, yes. Why? <clears throat> because uh, even though they were going out of style, it was the easiest way to do it. Mm. Alex, how did the two of you meet and later create a podcast together? Well, I have known Terry since the 70s. Um, we both were teaching at the time, uh, both early in our careers. I, was, I stayed a teacher for 35 years. Terry dipped his toe in, and then he went on to do other things. But we connected way back in the 70s. We roomed together for a year, and we found we both had some pretty similar uh, music-like, you know, uh, sharing ideas that uh, things that we both like together. Um, and so I lost track of Terry over the years, and then I reconnected with him. And at about 2014, I guess, we started doing the sharing the CD thing. I would make a CD of about 16 or 17 songs that I thought he would like, and he would make a CD for me, and we would send them to each other. I know that's kind of old-fashioned, but we're boomers. And uh, when I'd get the CD, there, there might be five things I really liked, and maybe three or four things that I sort of liked, and then there's things that Terry liked that I just went, nope, this is not for me. So eventually... After doing that for years, 
uh, in, I guess, 2021, he broached the subject of doing a podcast with me, and my first reaction was I was totally kind of not interested in doing it. Hmm. Um, and he said, you know, while you're sitting around in the summer, do some thinking about it, which I actually did. My first reaction was, I don't really want to do this. It's too much work. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, I'm going to give it a try. So we kind of started communicating with each other, actually met together. Of course, I I live a couple of hours from here. And uh, we get together. We started planning on what we do, how we do it. We listened to some other podcasts. And we decided that we were going to have to do a scripted podcast. Uh, at my age, I can't just do stuff off the top of my head and sound like I know what I'm doing. So so it's all scripted, basically, what we do. Yeah. And a symptom that you shared with me, Terry, uh, that you experience due to Parkinson's disease is sometimes memory retrieval uh, freezes up for a few moments, seconds, or hours. Even though the show is scripted, how do you handle that challenge while doing a podcast? Uh, well, so far it's not been a problem. Uh, my, I, I call it the gatekeeper in my brain decides what gets out, what gets retrieved, and what doesn't. And my brain plays little jokes by giving me substitute words that are ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, for example, I was trying to say compression socks, and I couldn't think of the word, and, and, it, and the brain fed me concussion socks. <laughs> Alex, you mentioned a, a, a joke just there. You mentioned jokes. Alex, I know uh, your podcast episodes always begin with a dumb joke uh, that has <laughs> to do with music. What's one of the best jokes that you've used on the podcast so far, in your opinion? <laughs> uh, well, Okay. I wrote down a couple that I've used, and some of them include Terry uh, doing a line of the joke, and and they're like five-second jokes, but it's like a cold open for Saturday Night Live or something. That's what you start before you start a lead-in music. So, uh, well, in the in the podcast that we're going to do next, this is the joke. It's been a bit of a strange day. First, I found a hat full of money. And then I was chased by an angry man with a guitar. Okay. <laughs> you have to think about that. Anyway, um, but the, the one before that, I said, I'm addicted to buying old Beatles records. And Terry said, sounds like you need help. And I said, nope, I already have that one. Like, that's the quality of the jokes. <laughs> Very funny. Terry. If you want to hear another one, I have one more. <laughs> Very... well, we'll see what, what, what kind of time we okay. have. Terry, I know you mentioned the importance of boomer generation music, uh, you know, being produced and uh, having it on the radio to, to listen to uh, for the boomer generation and other generations right. as well. There is an example that we have here that we can play. It's called Double Denim Hop by Buzzard, Buzzard, Buzzard. Let's take a listen.
We just listened to the song called Double Denim Hop by Buzzard, Buzzard, Buzzard. Terry, tell me, what would you like for people to take away from your story um, and from the content that you produce as someone who is living with Parkinson's disease at an older at an older age? Well, if you like the music from the 60s and the 70s and 80s and 90s and you're having trouble finding that that uh, sweet spot, uh, I suggest you listen to our podcast and we'll tell you where to find them. They're out there already. Uh, we, we did a, a show that I kind of like, my, my favorite, where we looked at all songs from the 70s that were introduced to the public in, in the actually the first six years of the 70s. And a good example was a song I had never heard of called uh, Chicago Boxcar Boston Boston Back, which is a hairstyle <laughs> of the time, and is done by the fabulous Poodles, and this this song could could have been released in any any decade. Uh, so, but it was the seventies, and uh, it's a song that uh, uh, I would if I if I had to uh, find other I don't know how to say it if I had to find other songs similar to it I know where to look now. Alex, we just have about 20 seconds here. You can give us that last joke if you have it. <laughs> okay, here it is. I told my dad that when I grow up, I want to be a musician. And my dad told me, son, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> Very funny. We've been speaking with Terry Walters, a Cumberland County author living with Parkinson's disease and co-host of Alex and Terry's Boomer Music Cast and Alexander Mullen, co-host of Alex and Terry's Boomer Music Cast.